It's Derby Week with two amazing comeback stories. Jockey Rajiv Mirage returns from a devastating spill two years ago to ride Irish war cry in the Kentucky Derby. And the nifty horsemanship of Ian Wilkes has McCracken recovered from an ankle injury and ready to run for the roses. Two amazing comeback stories next here on In the Gate. They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a head-bobbing finish! This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on the Pink Podcatcher app. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. There are certain jobs that carry an unusual amount of physical risk. Window washer in Damascus, Syria would be one of them. Anyone helping CTU set up a perimeter on the show 24, because we all know, those of us who watch the show, how setting up security perimeters usually wind up. Thoroughbred jockey, of course, also falls into that category. Almost every jockey will, unfortunately, at some point, suffer some kind of fall or spill. Some are worse than others. For jockey Rajiv Mirage, this one in the Jockey Club Gold Cup in the fall of 2014 was pretty rough. He broke his right arm, plates and screws were needed, and missed four months of action. It put a big crimp in what was up to that point a terrific year for Mirage. He'd won five grade one races that year and over a hundred races overall. But then the next July of 2015, Mirage suffered an even worse spill, like the first one at Belmont Park in New York. This time, the damage was several fractured vertebrae, a broken rib, and a punctured lung. It would be 15 months before Mirage made it back into a starting gate in November of last year. Now, those other jobs that have physical risk also inherently come with some excitement. That's one reason people have them. But see, the thing is, most of those jobs don't have the kind of payoff that sounds like this. Now the native of Kingston, Jamaica, looks to put a climactic stamp on these two amazing comebacks when he hops aboard Irish Warcry in the Kentucky Derby. And we are so pleased to welcome back to win the gay jockey, Rajiv Mirage. What was it like when that last injury happened? Well, you know, at first it was severe injury at the moment. You know, it was pretty nerve-wracking. I didn't know how badly I was injured, and then I was rushed to the hospital. And um, then they they diagnosed me with a multiple fracture of the spine and punctured lungs, 
broken ribs, and extent of injuries. So like um, swelling of the spinal cord. And for the first co- the couple of days that I had to spend in the hospital were pretty tough. I didn't walk for the first two days. Because, and then I took, once I took my first test, they released me from the hospital, sent me home, and then I had to go follow up to see some doctors. And um, the first initial follow-up, a few weeks after my injury, the first thing the doctor said to me is, uh, I should never write again and stuff like that. But then I ended up going to see another doctor and um, specialist in hospital special surgery. And he told me that um, if I wore this body brace and and my spine healed in alignment, I would be able to ride again. Well, take us through that 15-month recovery. I mean, what was it like? Well, um, it was excruciating pain through the whole process. I mean, how can I describe it? Sleepless nights, constant pain all over my body, not only in my back, neck, legs. There was a lot of stuff going on. Overwhelming. I was very immobile. Couldn't do, couldn't do much of anything at all. My wife had to do everything to take care of me. It, in the first three months, I left my house twice in three months, and both times were to go to the hospital to visit the doctor. Wow. To follow up. Couldn't, couldn't put my shoes on, couldn't bend over, put my socks on. I was restricted from bending, lifting, or twisting for about nine months. So I couldn't do much for myself. You couldn't even do physical therapy? No, I wasn't even doing physical therapy. Just um, just doing really not much. Just All I could do was just walk around and do like light stuff. I don't know, nothing really. Watch a lot of TV play a lot of video games. You realize there are a lot of really bad talk shows on in the mid-morning. Yeah, uh, binge-watching binge um, shows. <laughs> Was there a point during that process where your wife, Angelina, said something like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore? No, she never did. She was always fully supportive of me. We talked a lot about my future and my health and our lives and everything and we discussed all that's happening and all that we hope for in the future and all roads led back to me being a jockey with no issues as long as it was safe and and healthy so take us through as you started to be able to do PT and you could sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel yeah um even when I started doing PT, it was good and bad because there was a lot of highs and lows. Obviously, the highs were the days that things seemed to pro- progress, but the lows were when things take a turn for the worse. Again, like every time I thought that I was making like two steps forward, I'd take like three steps backwards sometimes. So those were really frustrating times because, um, Every time I thought I was over the hump and things were going good, 
and I have setbacks, quite a few setbacks along the way. When did you start to think you really could get back, when you did start to believe? I never lost faith in that I would get back. I always thought that I would be able to get back one day. I just didn't know when. That's the thing. Like, I I never think, like, I wasn't going to get back. But the frustrating part was when you think that you're on the road to getting back, you're on the path, and then there would be a hiccup, and then I'd feel like I'm starting back from scratch. So, um, yeah, but uh, I never really think that I wouldn't be able to get back. And I I just didn't know when. How much of a help was your father, who was also a jockey, I believe, in counseling you? Well, all my family, my dad and my mom and my siblings and everyone that's close to me, they're always very supportive um, for my mental health. They always give me encouragement and make me feel like that that I have people to fall back on if things didn't work out. So that's always good. We're talking with Rajiv Mirage, jockey of Wood Memorial winner, Irish War Cry. What was it like walking back into the jockey's room again for the first time when you were ready? That was a, a little surreal feeling in a way because even though that I knew that day was going to come again and I felt that day was going to come, for, for it to actually be there, it was just a lot of excitement and a lot of relief and a lot of feeling that I still have a lot to look forward to. Once you came back, how long did it take for you to feel like yourself after so much time away? I felt good when I came back. I I knew I took a long time to come back, but I wanted to make sure I was good enough to come back. I didn't want to come back and not be in good shape. So when I came back, actually, I felt good. It didn't take any time at all. Right away, I felt like um, I felt normal. All right, well, let's put it this way. Though you certainly have a well-earned reputation as a top jockey, including four Breeders' Cup wins, how long did it take for trainers and owners to feel confident putting you on horses again? Um, it kept building. It kept building. The, the thing about it was uh, I knew that because I was off so long, I couldn't come back and try to bite off more than I can chew in the beginning. Uh, so I was trying to um, progressively build into riding more horses. And there was a lot of people that wanted to support me and wanted to help me. And they were confident in putting me on horses, but I couldn't really try to take on too much in the beginning. So I think that's one part of my not so much winning or having a lot of success when I came back because um, I didn't want to come back and try to ride five or six horses a day. I just, I couldn't handle that. I wasn't ready for that. There's not much simulation that I could have done or training that I could have done off the racetrack that could prepare me to be able to ride so many horses and be at my best in the beginning. And for that reason, when you're riding less horses, it's usually a less chance of winning. I think if I was coming back and riding five or six horses a day, I would have won races earlier, and um, I, I, it would have looked it would have looked better. But there's always people there that were confident in me still and give me a chance. Even though I I think that there's also always that skepticism or people being skeptical that you know 
is he okay? Is he a hundred percent? And so, so they're kind of a little laid back about giving me the good horses right away, but I still got a lot of opportunities. Well, one of those who obviously wasn't all that put off was trainer Graham Motion. Now, people are people, and some just gravitate to each other no matter what the situation, no matter what walk of life you're in. What is it about Graham Motion that has seemed to click with you over the years? Well, we have a good relationship on and off the track. We have a good rapport with each other. I'm very confident in him. He's, he's a great trainer that gives me lots of great opportunities, and I think he's he's comfortable when he rides me over the years after building a relationship. He he knows what he gets from me when he rides me, and, and I can relay back to him about how the races went and stuff. And uh, I just I think we just have a good flow, good karma that goes with us, and and it, it just feels very natural. Let's talk about Irish War Cry, trained by Graham Motion. It was your first time on him in the wood, and he seemed to show a new dimension coming from off the pace. He'd won the Holy Bull with Joel Rosario while racing on the lead the whole time. How did you get him to relax? Well, uh, Graham told me that the horse was really relaxed in the morning, and he was surprised he wouldn't relax in the afternoon. So um, that's why he said, that he wanted me to get a little familiar with the horse and gallop him a couple of days before the race leading up to the the wood. So once I um once I galloped him, I felt exactly what he was saying that the horse was a really mellow, quiet kind of horse that seemed very easy to handle. So um I would have been really surprised when I rode him if he wouldn't have been easy to handle because in the mornings and uh, when I got on him, he was very manageable. Now, in between his wins in the Holy Bull and Wood Memorial was a head-scratcher in the Fountain of Youth. Again, you were not on him that day. He finished eighth. What did you think then as you hopped aboard him for the Wood? Well, I knew the horse had a lot of talent from his Holy Bull and all his previous wins. And by galloping him in the morning, he felt like he was going to give an eighth race. He felt like he was on par for a top effort. So. I really didn't think anything of his Fountain of Youth race, honestly. I just uh, put a line through that race and ignored it completely because he didn't give me any indication of a horse that wouldn't run his best race. And I had a lot of confidence in his that if he ran his best race, he would be able to run a, a winning race. With all that has happened to you, what would it mean if Irish Warcry were to win the Kentucky Derby? Oh, for winning the Kentucky Derby from from all that's happened to me, it would be just uh, truly amazing because um, it's, I've experienced lots of highs and lows in this industry and being a jockey and stuff, but to go from such an extreme low where I was injured so badly, that would be just an unbelievable feeling. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd know how to describe that. I'll let you know after the race. Well, we certainly wish you the best of luck with it, and thank you so much for a few minutes, sir. Thank you. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, trainer Ian Wilkes tries to round McCracken into form just in time for the big day. Stay with us.
Among the connections at this year's Kentucky Derby are an American female sports car racer who made her name in Italy, a head of state, Sheikh Mohammed, from Dubai, and a trainer who grew up on an Australian dairy farm. That trainer is Ian Wilkes, who grew up in the town of Muswell Brook, which is known for two things, coal mining and horse breeding. Ian Wilkes' father, Reg, also bred and raced horses when he had the farm, about 150 miles north of Sydney. I'll bet he never thought his son would wind up in the United States with a horse that could win this country's biggest race. And there he goes, McCracken on the outside. He springs to the center of the racetrack, and Hernandez has him in full stride as they're into the stretch. Wild shot strikes to the lead. McCracken on the outside, gaining with every stride, and now colors the leader. Here's McCracken on the outside. Hernandez goes to the left-handed whip, drifts in slightly, but McCracken remains unblemished and will take this Sam Davis. Tap Red is flying on for second. That win in February was McCracken's fourth win in four career starts after a highly publicized pair of stakes wins at Churchill Downs, home of the Kentucky Derby, last fall. But then, lifelong horseman Ian Wilkes needed to use all his smarts to help his star overcome some ailments without missing too much training time. McCracken made it to the starting gate of the bluegrass, but, what do you know, he saw two others cross the line ahead of him for the first time ever. Is McCracken too far behind the eight ball in preparing for the Kentucky Derby? Or will the dairy farmer from Australia, who abandoned school for the track, outsmart America's best homebred trainers? With that, we welcome to In the Gate trainer Ian Wilkes. Now, you had said before the bluegrass, I couldn't be any happier where he is right now. What did you mean to say? Well, you know, after missing a race, you're missing, you know, it's well documented. I missed the Tampa Bay Derby, okay? So so I'm missing that race. To where he is, where I want him to be, I couldn't be any happier where he is at this stage. Well, take us through what you did to overcome that slight ankle strain in February. Well, I had to wait on, had to get it right, you know. Had to, you know, ice, poultice, give it a little time just couldn't keep pressing you, you just couldn't keep keep going there and 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 laying him on the rail you know the saying goes you had to you had to take care of the horse then get it right and once I got it right then I just needed to um you know then get him back into a rhythm of training what do you mean by get it right the ankle is strained what, what do you do when you got a strained ankle you you give it ice poultice you get <coughs> You gotta, you gotta take care of it. You, if you keep going, you're gonna strain something else. You know, if you got a sprained ankle, well, you're gonna hurt your, you're gonna have a sore hip on the other side if you were trying to run with an ankle that's hurting. So you had to get it right. You know, you had to get the ankle right. Now, how important was it for your owner Janice Witham and your team to try to get McCracken to the Kentucky Derby? Well, you don't often get a horse like this. You know, they don't come along every every year, you know, so you don't get too many opportunities. So you you just you had to take care of him but had to give him a chance to get there. And if I couldn't get the race and Mrs. Williams always told me, We don't make it, we don't make it, you know, that's okay. You know, but she don't get me wrong, she's very excited to make it. But if for some reason we didn't, she's she's okay with it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what what such a horse lady she is. 
to make it there was always, you know, yeah, you'd love to, you know, because they've never been on the Derby, never been in the Derby, so to make it would be very, very rewarding for her. But to have a legitimate chance, I don't want to go if I don't have a chance. You know, Janice Witham, Ian Wilkes, and jockey Brian Hernandez, Team McCracken, are no stranger to winning championships together. Fortlander digging deep, he's trying to hold on. Fortlander along the inside, Mucho Macho Man right up alongside of him. What a thriller in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Fortlander digs deep, Mucho Macho Man, it's nose and nose to the wire. Fortlander has won at that move on the far turn, the deciding factor. With the shared success you've had, could you maybe try something either out of the ordinary or be more patient, let's say, with McCracken that you might not be able to do with other connections? No, no. All my owners are very much on the same page. They know I like to develop horses, and they're all in the same boat. And, you know, it's, what's, what's the great thing about my owners and all of them? They cheer for each other. Uh, it's not like, oh, why, why don't my horse is like that? Why are my horse not like this? Then it's not like that. It's a very much, they're so happy for me to have McCracken and Mrs. Wedham. And yeah, they would love one themselves, but they know it, it may come around. Our guest is trainer Ian Wilkes, who'll send out McCracken in the Kentucky Derby. When you worked for Carl Nafsker, you, of course, had two other horses who didn't win the bluegrass, but turned around to win the Kentucky Derby, unbridled in 1990 and Street Sense in 2007. Were any of their circumstances similar to McCracken? No, no. Everything, two different horses. Good thing about Street Sense, you know, he he had five races as a two-year-old. He'd won the juvenile, so he'd had the seasoning. He'd had everything. He was well prepared for John Ford, and we felt where we were in training, we gave him a break out the juvenile and we were able to get two good races in him and and everything timing was impeccable. You know, it did nothing went wrong. Everything was right there. But Unbridled, he's a different horse. He he was always learning. He needed racing. He needed a lot of racing. I think I forget exactly how many times he ran before the I may ran eight times before the Derby, but he he was a horse that took racing, needed the racing. So how would you describe McCracken? He he's a you know, very talented juvenile. He done everything too easy, and that's why I was looking for three races. I wanted to give. I wanted him to face some adversity. I wanted to, and and I got everything in my last race. He got roughed up a little bit. He didn't just get it handed to him. He he had to dig down. He was a little fresh. He raced a little upside down. What I mean by he was too close to pace where he normally wants to be. So. So with that all said, he was able to face some adversity, get, uh, but he didn't quit on me. That's what I liked about it. You know, He didn't quit, and that was the important thing about it. That's an awful lot of horsemanship talking. I mean, you worked for trainer Carl Nofsker for almost 20 years. What did he teach you that you hadn't already learned growing up on the dairy farm? <laughs> he certainly didn't teach me how to milk cows. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, Carl, Carl was very good at, you know, and something we worked a, a lot together, and he's very good at point horse to have him ready in that one day, you know. Sometimes you can't win every race, and that's that's what you can't focus in on trying to win every race. You have to focus in on being ready for that race, using a race to get to a race. That's that's the important thing. 
And that's what sometimes I look at and, yeah, is is just just trying to get that, um, you know, that horse ready on that one day. I read that you had decided to ditch school for the track when you were growing up. How old were you when that happened? 16. Uh, you know, I can't tell too many young kids. I, I try to tell my kids that I did finish school, but uh, somehow <laughs> they found out that I didn't. <laughs> what did your parents think? They were fine. You know, they knew I hated school. They knew what I wanted to do, and it was their blessing that I did do it. I didn't finish year 10. I quit before that because all I wanted to do was be with the horses, So um, they, which was fine. They were okay with it. How does your family feel about that decision now? They, I haven't done too bad, they said. I've done okay. <laughs> Given what we said about unbridled in street sense, not winning the Bluegrass, but then winning the Kentucky Derby in their next starts, is your philosophy to advance him during this training time, or is his training more maintenance? No, he does need he does need the right kind of training here. You know, he does need some timing, so just fine tuning because that race helped me a lot. Uh, the bluegrass was very instrumental, and and the horse got a lot out of it. And I've seen that by the work yesterday. You always think just get that first work back, watch him work, and he worked very good. Did it well in hand and did it the right way. He's back into a nice routine, comfort zone at Churchill. So, yeah, but he does need some fine-tuning because just a big race, 20-horse field, mile and a quarter. You can't come in here being half ready. Now, you have to be ready. McCracken is on the move, passing horses on the far outside. A far turn blitz for McCracken to within four lengths of the lead. They hit the top of the stretch. Uncontested is off the turn in front, and McCracken continues to rally from behind. Was fourth, is now third, and is closing in on the outside. One for long to go, and Wild Shot comes away with the lead, but McCracken is bearing down on the outside. Here's McCracken and Wild Shot with a 16th to go, and McCracken grabs the lead 100 yards out. And he does it again. McCracken wins the Kentucky Jockey Club from off the pace by a length. As an Australian, albeit one who's been in this country for several years, what would it mean to you to win the Kentucky Derby? Oh, I mean everything. You know, this is this is America's race. Uh, no one asked you. No one ever asked me if I won the Breeders' Cup Classic. They don't ask me that. You meet someone, they all they ask is. Have you won the Derby? Have you had a runner in the Derby? You, you know, they'll, they'll ask those things. And that's just for fans. And that, that means a lot because, you know, everything revolves around fans, gambling, you know, betting, owners, you know, so it all revolves there. So it's it would mean a lot to me. Ian Wilkes will send McCracken out for a shot at the 143rd Kentucky Derby. Thank you so much for a few minutes, sir. Okay, mate. No problem. Our thanks to Ian Wilkes and to Rajiv Moran. If you ask a NASCAR driver about the race in Indianapolis, he'll tell you about the Brickyard's history, but the huge purse is the attraction. Yet, with the Daytona 500, though, those drivers, to a man, would run it for free. There are several thoroughbred races now that have super-sized purses. The Breeders' Cup, the Pegasus, and Dubai. Yet if you ask most horsemen which race they most want to win, the Kentucky Derby comes out on top. But why? The Derby's purse of $2 million is good these days, not great, 
but the tradition and prestige are off the charts. The pageantry, celebrities, my old Kentucky home, it's become a celebration of the arts. There are plenty of big events in sports with high stakes on the line, but not all of them come with a huge cachet. The Kentucky Derby is one the masses love to enjoy each year, this summer, and the people are gay. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on the Pink Podcatcher app on your iPhone. And you can get us on the Listen tab in the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. Remember to join us tomorrow when our guests will include Jose Ortiz, the jockey of Taprit. But for now, that's In the Gate. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you tomorrow.